Hey, and thanks for taking the time to listen with us here at Gospel Way as we seek to find rest in Christ. Please know that this is supplemental and does not replace your local church or the pastor that God has given to shepherd your soul. But it is our prayer that God will use these resources to bless you and point you to Jesus. Let me call our attention to the book of Luke chapter number 15, or chapter number 16, I'm sorry. Chapter number 16, Luke chapter number 16. We're going to be dealing with uh, the shrewd manager or the unjust steward, uh, however you want to title it. We're going to be looking at it as, as we go down through here this morning. And this is in light of coming from the parable we dealt with last week, the the prodigal son. Uh, Some people have said, and we made mention last week, that that parable was more about the father than it was the son. And in light of that, uh, you could call it the prodigal father if you wanted to call it that. But anyway, we're going to be looking at uh, Luke chapter 16. And we're going to pick up there in verse number 1. We'll read down through verse number 13. The Bible said here, And he said unto his disciples, There was a certain rich man which had a a steward, And the same was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods. And he called him and said unto him, How is it that I hear this of thee? Give an account of thy stewardship, for thou mayest be no longer steward. Then the steward said within himself, What shall I do? For my Lord taketh away from me the stewardship. I cannot dig. To beg I am ashamed. I am resolved what to do. That when I am put out of stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. So he called every one of his Lord's debtors and said unto him, Uh, debtors unto him, and said to the first, How much owest thou unto my Lord? And he said, An hundred measures of oil. And he said unto him, Take thy bill, and set thee down quickly, and write fifty. Then said he to another, And how much owest thou? And he said, An hundred measures of wheat. And he said unto him, Take thy bill and write fourscore. And the Lord commended the unjust steward because he had done wisely. And the children of the world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. And I say unto you, Make to yourselves friends of the mammon, of unrighteousness, that when you fail, 
they may receive you into everlasting habitation. And he that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust in much. If therefore ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Let's pray. Lord, we pray as we look into the scriptures this morning, we pray that you open our hearts and our minds by the power of the Holy Spirit of God, that we may hear your word with joy and that we may go forth understanding greater your love and greater who you are and whose we are. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. In studying this particular parable, in trying to find writings on this parable, most everyone, if they did not totally skip over it, they were very faint in what they had to say about it. And one of the reasons is, as you read down through here, no matter who you try to put in what position, it it doesn't flow completely throughout. And I think what the Lord is doing in this is teaching a lesson. He's not trying to... This is not one of the parables that the Lord is going to say, I am the, I am the master and the world is the field. And he, He's not laying all of that out. He's not going to sit down with the disciples and say, now this is exactly how all of these key characters are in place. And again, this is coming on the heels of the story that we looked at last week, the prodigal son. And in light of that, what I want to do this morning is just walk down through here and see what's happening and then try to draw some application for our life, some application that I believe is feasible, it's usable, It's something that we can put into practice in our own lives. Understand what's what's going on in this this story that Jesus is telling. And and by the way, a parable is uh, that, that even the word parable means to be brought alongside of. Just like a, a paramedic, if you will. Paramedic means brought alongside of a medic. And they're basically essentially practicing as a doctor in the field. They're doing those emergency medicines. They're brought alongside us. So Christ is trying to drive a principle. He's trying to to deal with these 
uh, this Jewish, mostly Jewish uh, group that surround him. And in light of that, he, he continually tells parables. He, he tells stories that he brings alongside of a principle that he's trying to get across. And in light of that, we, as we walk down through here, we find, first of all, we find that the steward is accused. He's accused. It says in verse number 1, And he said unto his disciples, There was a certain rich man which had a steward, and the same was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods. It's interesting in light of this, it's interesting that we find out that he's being accused, but we don't find out who his accuser is. The, the accuser's not there. But we do find out that the steward is being accused. And he be, is being accused before his master, before his Lord. And so when he is accused, and he's accused of misusing the goods that belong to the Lord. And as he's accused of this, it said, And he called and said unto him, so we find out that the, the steward is being accused, and at, at the point that the steward is accused, it, it, it's, it's one thing to be accused and just walk away and that's it. That's not what happened here. <laughs> he is accused and he's brought before his master. He's called in. Uh, we used to make the statement, we, we've been called in on the carpet. Uh, uh, the the boss man's office was the only way it had the carpet, so we got called in on the carpet, and uh, we we were we were brought before that because of an accusation that happened. But here's what's taking place: the the steward is accused of mishandling, if you will, and as he is accused, and it's interesting that he is accused of mishandling, but watch what he does. And, and it, we find that he is accused, he's called in, and he's questioned. He's questioned by the master. He called him in and said unto him, How is it that I hear this of thee? Give an account of thy stewardship, for thou mayest be no longer steward. And he's telling him, he begins to question him. Tell me, give an account of your stewardship. Tell me what's going on. I've heard this. Tell me what's happening. As he tells him what's happening, the master makes this statement. And as he makes the statement, he said, you may no longer be steward. Well, then the steward said within himself, now, kind of draw the scene of what's happening. He's called in. He's called in before the master. The master asked him, give me an account of your, your dealings, of your dealings with what's going on. And as you give this an account, it says the steward said within himself, he's already devising a plan. He's already coming up with what he's going to do. Because the master said you may no longer be steward. So he's coming up with a plan. He's devising a plan. 
And as he devises this plan, this is part of the reason he's called the 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 shrewd manager or the the unjust steward, if you will. And and, and some ways I wonder if that's a uh, the unjust steward. I wonder if that's a, a good analogy for him. But anyway, uh, we we'll go on. In verse number three, the steward said within himself. What shall I do? He began to question, what, what am I going to do? What's going to happen? What, what's going to go from here? And he said, for my Lord taketh away from me the stewardship. And then he makes this statement. It, it's kind of interesting. He said, he said, and he's saying all this within himself. He said, I cannot dig. To beg, I am ashamed. He was basically saying, I don't know how to do anything else other than what I've been doing. I don't know how to to manage anything else. He said, I I don't have the physical ability to go out and do those jobs that that I've been maybe kind of watching over. Maybe he's thinking those things. But he's devising this plan. He said, "I, I, I cannot dig. To beg, I am ashamed. He said, I, I, I don't want to go out and beg. Then he says here in verse number four, this is interesting. He said, I am resolved what to do. So sitting there, he's devised a plan, and now he's going to implement the plan. And as he implements the plan, watch what he does. He said, I am resolved what to do. That... When I am put out of stewardship, he said, when this, when this takes place, when I'm put out of stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. He said, this way I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure out what I need to do. I'm, I'm going to figure out a plan. And he says here, so he called every one of his Lord's debtors unto him. Now understand it. He's just been called in on the carpet. He's just basically lost his job. So he goes out and he says, I'm going to do this. He said unto the first, how much owest thou to my Lord? And he said, a hundred measures of oil. Look, <laughs> look at what he's doing. And he said unto him, Take thy bill and set down quickly and write 50. He owes 100, so he tells the debtor. He's managing, so he's going out. He just left from getting called in on the carpet, and he goes out. And and, and I couldn't help but to, when, when I put this point down on my, on my notes, when I put this point down, Brother Charles, I said, the steward is shaking hands and making deals. <laughs> That's basically what he's doing. He's walked out thinking that the Lord said, you may not be my steward any longer. He had basically taken the stewardship away from him. And the first thing he goes out and does is he calls the Lord's debtors. And as he calls Lord's debtors, he said, take the bill, and he said, write 50. Then he said unto another, how much owest thou? And he said, an hundred measures of wheat. 
And he said unto him, Take thy bill and write fourscore, or eighty. And this is what, this is most of the time, and, and things that I read, things that I looked at, this is where everybody says, this messes everything up. Look in verse number 7, or in verse number 8. And the Lord commended the unjust steward. I'll be honest with you. In studying, that blew my mind. I thought, how can I, how can I justify what's going on with the master commending the unjust steward. How can, you, how can you reconcile the two? How can you bring the two back together? The Lord's just fired him. And now the Lord is commending him. But what did he just get through doing? He went out and, and shook hands and made deals. But he made deals with the Lord's monies. It, it it just it blew my mind when I when I looked at it when I considered this. He said in verse number eight, and the Lord commended the unjust steward because he had done what wisely. What's he talking about? Jesus begins to kind of give an an, an an insight to why he commended them. He said, for the children of the world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. Now, wait a minute. He's committed the unjust steward, and now he's saying the children of the world are wiser than the children of light. What are they, why are they wiser? What are they wiser in? And, he's, and I say unto you, make to yourselves friends of the mammon of unrighteousness, that when ye fail, that they may receive you into their everlasting habitations. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust in much. If therefore ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to you trust uh, uh, to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? No servant. And this is where, to be honest with you, every time that I have ever heard the, any preaching from this parable, this is what was keyed in on. This this is the verse everybody looked at. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. And everybody zeroed in on that verse. Well, they zeroed in on that verse forgetting everything else that the Lord has said in this parable. The master commended him for this reason. When he went out and did what he did, and you find that in these verses, you find it where he said, 
trying to find the verse where he made the statement. Well, he said in verse number nine, and I say unto you, make to yourselves friends of mammon of unrighteousness. What this man did when he went out and shook hands and made deals, what he did is he developed relationships. And what Jesus is trying to drive home, I believe from this passage of Scripture, is those relationships that you have. Those relationships. And that's what he was telling the, the children of the world. They were wiser than the children of light. Why? Because they were making relationships. Let me ask you a question. How are you and how are I, how am I going to reach anyone with the gospel that we haven't made a relationship with? You and I may come across someone that the Lord has used circumstances in their life to, to, plant the seed to water it already. And you and I may, at different points and times in our life, we may come across a, a what some people used to call low-hanging fruit. We may come across that fruit that's almost ready to fall anyway. And we may be of benefit to them seeing the Lord Jesus Christ as their reconciliation. And in doing so, they come to salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. But let, you, you didn't put forth any effort in that. In, in fact, who is the one that puts forth the effort in the salvation of a soul? It is the Lord. It's not us anyway. But it is in us building relationships. Being able to... Uh, to and, and I, I can't help but to consider the study that we're going through on Wednesday nights when we're going through the book Ordinary. I can't help but to think of, of our relationships we build in our ordinary life. Those, those things that are ordinary to us that become extraordinary to others because we are making relationships. He is commending him because he is making relationships. And this is interesting. This, this servant was making a living. How was he making a living? Basically, this servant was paid on commission. Basically, he was being paid on commission. So he was making relationships and in his making these relationships that he was making, he was giving away his commission in order to make those relationships. That's the reason the Lord commended him. That he's putting forth the effort to make these relationships so these people see his master. Those people are not looking at him, although, don't misunderstand, this man was, was just like you and I. When he was shaking hands and making deals, he had one person in mind. That was himself. He was trying to, to say, okay, if I lose my job, I don't have anywhere. I don't have a means to pay for my living. At least these people will give me a place to live. 
Maybe some of them will give me something to eat. He, he is making those relationships just like maybe we do sometimes. We, we make a relationship, but we make that relationship because that relationship is more beneficial to us than it is to others. But still yet, that relationship is built. And as we do that, Jesus is saying that the sons of light miss that they are here to show grace and mercy and the love of God to others, bringing them into a relationship with themselves and with God. You and I, and, and, and we've discussed this many times, God showed us grace. It, there's not one of us in here this morning that know the Lord Jesus as our Savior that hasn't been shown mercy and shown grace. Well, can I ask you a question this morning? What makes us think that we are to show others around us any less grace than God showed to us? We're to show them the same amount of grace. And, and therein they see God in us by us demonstrating the grace of God in our lives. And, and I can't help but to think about even, even the servant that the master forgave him everything. And he went out and, and, and I know Jeffrey's made post about this, but he, he went out and he, he called in the guy. The master forgave him a hundredfold and he goes out and calls in the guy. that it, It's almost as if the master forgave him of the, of the hundred dollars that he owed him. But he goes out and finds a guy that owes him five dollars and he says, I need that. Well, it's kind of interesting when you think about where he got the money to begin with. He loaned him the money that he had borrowed. So when that was forgiven, it was forgiven of everyone. So understand that we're building those relationships. The whole point of our the whole point of our earthly business here on earth is is for us to build relationships with others why are we building those relationships so that they see god Amen. we're building those relationships so that god is seen god gives us the opportunity to build those relationships for that purpose you and i we, we will inevitably do what suits us best. <laughs> Have you ever made the statement? I, I mean, I've made it before. Nobody else is going to look out for number one, so I might as well look out for number one. Well, we do that, but even in doing that, sometimes God uses that very thing to even allow us to have those relationships to be able to uh, to work with others, to have those relationships that we can uh, show others the grace of God in our lives. In light of the fact that, and, and I believe these are, this, this parable, it, it's backed up 
right to the parable of the prodigal son. And we saw the love of the father. We, we saw that it was the father that granted mercy. It was the father that granted grace. It was the father that brought the robe. It was the father that, that brought the shoes. It was the father that gave the ring. It was the father that killed the fatted calf. It was the father that put forth everything when that son came home. It was the father that ran to meet him. It was the father that fell on his neck. We went over all of this last week. And in light of this being right on the tail of that, I, I can't help but to think about that in this, God is trying to show us that we can make those relationships, we can have those relationships without the fear of being fired. The Father wants us to build those relationships. He commended the steward for making those relationships. And again, this, this parable is probably one of the, the hardest to try to... to to look at, to try to draw together, but the best that I can understand, and if we understand this parable from, from a point of the grace of God, if we understand this parable, and, and from the very beginning, when we started studying these parables, what did we say was the purpose of these parables? These, every one of these parables were to point to who? Jesus. It was not to point that the parables that we have gone through and even this parable, and that's the reason you cannot take verse number 13 and try to hone in on verse number 13 and make that say something that the rest of this parable does not say. The problem when we do that is we misunderstand Law and grace. We, we see the grace of God here and we try to apply the law of God back into the grace of God and it doesn't work. They don't mix. And that's the tendency that we have in Christendom across the board. We, we, try, to, we, we try to tell everyone if you're not living this way or you don't look this way or you don't go to this place or you don't do this thing, then surely you're not a child of God. When we've seen in the parables that Christ said, leave the wheat and the tares alone. Leave, leave the, the, the fish and the trash alone. Leave, leave all of these things alone. I'll take care of those. Let me handle all of this. I, I heard someone make a statement one time, and they were talking about something totally different, but I do like the, the final part of what they said. Their thing was, they were saying, just shoot and let God, let God sort out the rest. And I understand what they were saying, but what I'm trying to say this morning is that we need to let God sort it out. It's not for us to determine just because this person doesn't look like us or this person doesn't do exactly like us. Build those relationships 
that demonstrate the grace of God to that person instead of saying, look, you, you, you don't look like I do. You don't act like I do. You, we can't have a relationship. And I'm not saying that I, I'm not going out here next week and and visiting the the bar room down the road and and climb up on a bar stool next to the guy that's sitting there drinking but i am telling you that when he's out and about i'm not going to dis dis disfriend him or turn away from him just because he is living in a way that maybe i'm not living because christ did not turn me away when I was not living in a way that His righteousness called for. So we, we present grace to others around us. And if we don't do that, they don't see the grace of God. This world does not need any more of my telling them they're in sin. They know they're in sin. The world knows... <laughs> there's enough Bible around the world knows when they're wrong. Yes, and God has put his common grace in the world. We know we're not to kill each other. We know that. We have laws against that. Why do we have laws against that? Because we knew that it was wrong. We know that it's wrong to steal. Why in the world, if we don't know that it's wrong to steal, why does a thief look around behind him to see if anybody's watching? Why does a thief wait till the dark of night to try to break in? We know the world knows they're wrong. They don't need us hammering that they're wrong. They need us presenting the grace of God to them. And that's what this even though he didn't really realize that's what he was doing, when he was doing it on his own terms and doing it his own way, he was demonstrating what others saw is not, they didn't, they didn't say, the steward forgave me. They said, the master forgave me. They knew that as far as they were concerned, they didn't know he had been fired. They didn't know he was about to lose his stewardship. They just knew that this is a guy that works for the master, and the master said, I don't owe 100 anymore, I owe 50. I don't owe 100 anymore, I owe 80. And they were looking at the master. So even our relationships that we build in this world are, are in their own way pointing others to the grace of God, to the graces and mercies of God. And, and, and I think that's the better understanding of this parable, especially coming off of the parable that we just heard of the prodigal son. It's a, it, it goes in line with that better. And, and uh, there's, there's a break that comes after that before we go into other stories that the Lord's telling. But, but this one, I think lines up and, and is in conjunction with the parable of the prodigal son. Yes. Let's pray.